0: Filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions serving Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. If you need legal representation on employment issues, including wage and hour disputes, discrimination and harassment claims, wrongful termination, you need help with a severance package or non-compete clauses, or you just need equal employment opportunity and civil rights representation, general civil litigation, or even defamation, the Ehrlich Law Office has you covered if you are in Northern Virginia. Or the District of Columbia for a free consultation, head over to erlichlawoffice dot com slash filibuster.
1: Seen the evidence of it? uh What every single year we've done the podcast, I think.
2: Yes, because I'm always watching this game during a March episode of the podcast, and then William & Mary loses again.
1: Well, it's, it's the conference final always gets played on a Monday.
2: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. For those of you who don't know podcast people, William & Mary, my alma mater, is one of four teams in Division One that has never made the NCAA basketball tournament since the tournament expanded to 64 teams. And it makes where, me sad every winter. I don't remember. I don't care about them. And they've always come close is the thing. Since I've graduated, William & Mary has made the, and that was 2008, William & Mary has made the conference finals at least three times. You would think just by the law of averages they would have won one of those, but no, they win none of them, and they remain outside the tournament. One and day it makes me sad every time. Because when I was there, like they would win about ten games every year, and that's it. They'd go like ten and twenty-five or something every year. So, them actually being decent at college basketball is a novelty. Yeah. To me. And this all came from the picture behind Donald, which is a looks like an autographed uh, picture of. Duke basketball players.
3: It which, is. Year, which, which year? This is the 2010-2011 and 2011 season, so the year after 2010 National Championship. Um, I have another one of the 2001-2002 team, and in my mind, those are the two teams since I started that were the best teams to not win the tournament. So, uh, yeah. I actually didn't get one this year, and they ended up winning. So I think that's the key. I won't get autographed posters, and we'll just keep waiting. Sounds about right. Yeah.
2: Go, go, Gadget, Jason. All right. Uh...
1: <laughs> Hi, Jason. Uh, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we have no Adam hosting, so goat, goat, welcome, goat. We are... <laughs> <laughs> going to forge on with this thing, despite the fact that it's obviously not not a good idea. um this is filibuster, just, just like women Mary basketball <laughs> uh, that's not necessarily a terrible idea. It's just not the greatest idea. Um, we have uh some unfortunate soccer to talk about, and maybe some soccer in the future that's that's more fortunate um hopefully very fortunate um d c United played a game on Thursday. I think and at this point, I can't even tell what day it is anymore. uh the schedules become that strange. um, they'll have two games this week, uh so we have plenty to talk about uh whether or not it's happy is another case. But the first thing we've gotta do before we talk about any soccer things or even more basketball, we have to talk about the booze that we're going to drink so Donald, you're on the show uh subbing in for Adam, who uh we've just thrown out uh for no good reason. um what are you drinking tonight?
3: Uh, so I was in a dilemma this week or actually earlier today, about what I was going to be drinking in the end I decided to make a be- make it a beach day um I am drinking some english harbor uh antiguan five year rum uh, it's very very good stuff if you guys have ever tried it um if you haven't please do it's it's one of the best runs I've had in the Caribbean and uh yeah so I'm just trying to you know show love to uh one of my favorite islands and hope they uh we get to see a World Cup qualifier there next March.
1: I uh, I think the only rum uh, that I bought that was made in the Caribbean or made on the island that I was in is a terrible rum called uh, Fire in the Hole, erotic rum. It's made in the Bahamas, and it's like rum in quotes. Um, it's like it's like to rum what Cuervo is to tequila. Um, is it? It's sort of. It's sort of is like. That,
3: is that bad?
1: It's like. Um, Ethanol mixed with rum flavorings, or uh, maybe it's been in the room with rum for a little while. It sounds um, but like it's,
3: it sounds like you got it in a uh, like a jewelry store. Like they're like, hey, have some free rum, and it's like Joe's <laughs> rum sitting in the corner.
1: It's, it is almost. I mean, it wasn't in a jewelry store. It was in a regular liquor store, but it was the cheapest rum they had, and we thought it's from the Bahamas. That's why it's cheap. No, it's cheap because it's awful. Um, <laughs> But if you're on spring break and you don't want to spend a lot of money and you just want to drink like a $6 fifth of rum, um, then what you do is you buy that $6 fifth of fire-in-the-hole erotic rum and you drink you it out this, of coffee mug. You of wait, wait, wait,
2: wait, 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 wait. wait. Did, you, did you say it's erotic rum?
1: Yes, its full name is fire-in-the-hole erotic rum. You got this in Freeport. <laughs> Uh no, that's great. Was that in Freeport? I've been twice and now I can't keep it. It tight. must have been um, that was Freeport. That's yeah, absolutely this was Freeport. This <laughs> was this was Freeport. The other time the other time in Nassau they didn't have well, I was actually too young to drink, so there was that too. Um, but anyway, uh I mean if you want cheap rum that will get you drunk but will taste like fire <laughs> um, kill you. You know. You should buy that rum. If you want a decent rum
2: that's readily that's from the Caribbean and also readily available in the United States, Cruzan is also a good rum. I, I enjoy the Virgin Islands having
1: been there, and we drank a lot of Cruzan there. See, that's a better idea. But also, you were grown up enough to like not look at the price and be like, I can't not buy this incredibly cheap bottle of rum.
2: Well, if we want to go even more off the rails. I'll talk about the disgusting alcohol that I drank when I studied abroad in India. It's called Fenny. and there are two different kinds of Fenny. One is made from coconut, and it tastes uh, not awful, is how I would describe it. But then there's the traditional kind of Fenny, which is made from the fruit that surrounds a cashew nut. And it tastes like death basically and (laughs) we drank so much of it because we were young and foolish and I brought a bottle home with me and gave it to my and let my then girlfriend now wife uh, have a sip of it and she basically like she metaphorically hit me with the bottle because it was that disgusting and she was that angry she was was angry with you she was that angry with me making her taste of that.
3: Uh, I'm writing these down for two reasons. One, so I know never to buy these things. And two, <laughs> uh, I want to m- make the suggestion to you both that you get new friends.
1: <laughs> 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 Who's to say that I'm not the bad friend, though? <laughs> you clearly are buying some <laughs> stupid rum in Freeport, Bahamas. It's $6 and it's erotic rum. How are you not going to buy it? <laughs> You oh, only find yeah. out later. Have and you been to, free to free save more money for, for stocking up on the duty free place?
3: Adam, I'm and so sorry I, you did. Uh, I, I know I have better friends than you because they would not let me get that, that trash.
2: But, anyways, <laughs> what I'm actually drinking is a Manhattan with rye. What kind of rye? Old overcoat. Old overhaul.
1: Which okay. is. Okay. Oh, um, old over- overcoat. Yes. That's a good one. Uh, I'm going a little more simple uh, than everyone. I've got uh, Oscar Blues Brewery's, uh Mama's Little Yellow Pills. It was hot out. I wanted beer. This is a good, refreshing pilsner. It's, it's what a pilsner should be rather than the more popular pilsners that you might get that are made of rice and sadness uh, at your local, not even bar. like Your bar at this point in this region should have at least one beer that is better than the standard pilsners that are available like bud light and miller light the sadness beers um anyway i guess since we're on th- well i'll I'll use sadness as a segue here uh i've already outdone adam in that department uh dc united loses 1 nothing or 1 or 3-1 to new york city fc uh united took the lead via Alvaro sabrio in the 36th minute on a turnover from Andrea Pirlo, of all people, um, which everyone, everyone on a non-rich team probably thought was hilarious until the second half came around, and um, some of those expensive players ended up paying off for New York. Uh, Thomas McNamara, who, as everyone knows, should still be on D.C. United, but isn't due to a, a worldwide lack of justice for everyone. This uh, loss is your fault because of your love for him. No, it's not. It's Jason Christ stole him from us and I did everything I could, which is to say nothing, to stop the stop him from being selected in the uh, expansion draft. Um McNamara scored in the fifty first minute. Uh United was then pretty much on the back foot for a long time, uh before David Villa scored uh after Andrea Pirlo received a bad turnover from Alvaro Sabrillo, sort of a, a flip a flip of the script from earlier. Um, Pirlo put in a Andrea Pirlo style uh, long ball for Villa to then uh, do what David Villa does and score a pretty pretty excellent technical goal, and then Kwadwo Poku, who caused constant problems for United, scored finally scored a goal that he probably deserved in the 88th minute to kill the game off. Um, it's kind of a loss that was a long time coming. Uh, ben, I'm going to go to you first. Sure. What what went wrong? Uh, what went wrong?
2: I mean. <laughs> Among the many things. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about Alvaro Saborillo not being able to pass the soccer ball effectively. We could talk about that. But what I'm really going to talk about, though, is uh, Marcus Halsey just ran out of gas. He had a good first 45 minutes, and then in the second half he was just completely out of gas, probably because he hadn't been asked to play 90 minutes basically ever this year. And so... It was, if 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 Ben Olson had had a sub, he left Dave Yarno at home, and if Dave Yarno could have come in in the 55th minute, what we used to lovingly call Branco time, uh, that would have been a great substitution, but that wasn't on the bench and that wasn't possible, and Halsey wasn't in hindsight, he wasn't ready to go 90 minutes. And when you have a central midfielder, you need somebody who's ready to go 90 minutes. And I feel like... I think he admitted as much uh, on... either in a post-game interview or on Twitter or something after the game that he wasn't really ready to go the whole 90. And so I don't blame him too much. He played well in the first half. But when you have a breakdown in the central midfield against... And somebody who can't chase the slow likes of uh, Andrea Pirlo and Mix Discarude and all of them, if you let them have all that time, it's going to end up being a problem, and that's what happened.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up, because um, with Halstie, uh and then Michael Farfan replacing him, you've got two players. Uh, Farfan hadn't played since the middle of May. Um, yeah, exactly. Halstie'd been out for several yeah. weeks uh, with a groin strain. On top of having picked that up, when he was already coming back from a different issue. So, um United was kind of set up with two players who weren't at their sharpest and who weren't at their fittest uh having to take those central midfield minutes because node was rested and for all we know, um you know the teams have every team in MLS has some sort of physiological database on their players and they have they'll, they'll you'll hear coaches talk about how a player might be in the red. Um which is shorthand for just showing signs of overuse and running out of gas. Um, and maybe node in training just showed the signs of that and, and United had to do something about it, but it certainly was um, bad timing for him to be out because it, it did seem like he was missed. Even though um, Halstead did do well, he opened the field up quite a bit. Um, Farfan, I don't think, was as effective, but he came into a game in which New York was flying at that point and he was having to play his first action in months trying to catch up to a game that was already going at a pretty high speed. Um, Donald, I guess I'll throw the same question to you. Um, Besides what Ben already said, what else do you think went wrong? Because it's not like there's a shortage of uh, possibilities. Yeah, I, I, I
3: mean, it's hard to say what went wrong, because I feel like it was, in my mind, it's kind of been what this last kind of four or five games have been. We've had the probably the, one of the quirkiest months uh, in quite a while um, with regards to results on the field. And I think this was kind of like a long time coming. Like, this was where we started. I thought the first half we played not great, but we still had the lead somehow at halftime, and I thought that was where we would say, okay, We played terribly, and now we can, if we can just knuckle down defensively, we can walk out of here with three points. And I think that the, uh, like you said, key players ran out of gas. We had the corp injury, you know, right, it seemed like right before uh, the floodgates opened. Um, And that was it. It was kind of like our our quirkiness caught up with us, finally. Um, And it wasn't a good display on the field. But we haven't had those the last month and we've been getting results. So it was in your mind you're kinda like, hey, let's we can still do this. We can still get a result with this how we've been playing, but it just wasn't meant to be. We just kind of let the floodgates open and, and it to, within a span of like seemed like five minutes, that was a wrap.
1: Yeah. Um and the the men- the injury you mentioned, Chris Corb, uh as people by the time they listen to this will probably already be aware, uh Korb's out for the season. Uh, with a torn ACL, Um, just sort of a... It looked like he hyperextended his knee on the way down um, after getting barged in the back, trying to shepherd the ball out. Um, It's the kind of play you see a few times a game. Um, Usually a guy doesn't tumble over and have his knee lock uh, like that. Normally you get lucky and you just sort of fall uh, in a way that doesn't ruin your knee, but uh, unfortunately Korb had some bad luck, and he'll be out at best until the middle of next February. Uh, which means, you know, not not just he's out for this season, he's probably not going to be fit to really play until, you know, March, April, um, maybe even May at the worst. Um, so United's got some issues. They, they could still sign someone. Uh, they've got a month to do that, but it would have to be a free agent. You can't trade. The trade deadline's gone. Um, and obviously bringing a free agent in comes with its own issues. The guys that missed the transfer window and are still free agents, they're there for a reason. Um, make someone so, on the make the Richmond Kickers cut one of their
2: fullbacks so he is available on are free.
1: That that sounds something like the like in the nineties uh, MLS uh, from that um, oral history of the first season. There was the uh, Kevin Payne telling a story of Steve Ramel. Um, United wanted to sign Rammel, but they they couldn't sign him the, the just a straight up way. So they had a team they were affiliated with sign him. And he was legally required to play some amount of minutes, which they didn't really want because they were worried he would get injured. So he had to go and sign for this team and play a few minutes late in the game. And then as soon as the game was over, they would process the uh, calling him up from your affiliate because back in the nineties, MLS was even more strange and convoluted than it is now, which I'm I'm sure sure it's hard to believe. But um, (laughs) In some ways, I guess it was more simple because you could just make up things more easily. Uh, but it meant that everyone was making up crazy things like that all the time. Um, fortunately, United happened to be good at making things up at the, at the, uh, in those days. Um, my one major thing that I, I've read a lot of criticism of Perry Kitchen, uh, specifically in this game, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't quite buy it. Um, not to say that he played really well. His passing was very good. He only misplaced two passes all, all game long. Um, I thought this was a structural team-wide issue, Um, United just never did enough to, to slow the game down when New York started pouring all their energy into it. Um, and the problem became that New York had so much going on that United got stretched out and then they would come up the middle and it's all of a sudden kitchen against several people. Um, and so it looks bad on him because the action is coming from where he is, but it's because he's not getting any help. The wide midfielders weren't really playing narrow, something that we missed, um, with Nick DeLeon also uh, not being available is that that uh, quality from the wing. Sean Franklin tends to stay wide when he plays in the midfield, and we saw that that's, it's not really a good fit for him, um, in especially in this formation. Um, in general, I, I wasn't satisfied with Saburillo holding the ball up, um, not just the fact that he had turnovers that led to goals, but just the rest of it was also not very good. Even if there were no goals, it would have been... Oh, kind of an odd game for him where he scored but then didn't really do much else of any worth. Um, Chris Rolfe had moments, but not. this wasn't like the early stretch of the season where Spindlow was out and Rolf was able to just carry the team, uh, drag them kicking and screaming to uh, points. Um, so I, I thought just all over the field it was maybe the first 45 were okay. Um, it looked a lot like a typical D.C. United road performance, which was nice to see. But it needed to be a ninety minute typical DC United Road performance. And instead we got forty five typical minutes and then forty five of our recent, you know, immature and kind of asking for trouble form. And New York, to their credit, played probably their best soccer of the entire season and they made it count. Um I don't know what they're gonna do. They're kind of screwed with Frank Lampard coming back when clearly this is the um midfield and attack they should be playing. Um but you know, that's what Jason Christ signed up for. So Good luck to him, or not. If, if, only um,
2: Lampard, if only Lampard could have been on the field instead of Poku.
1: Yeah, that would have helped quite a bit, which is a bizarre thing, because we're talking about <laughs> Quadro Poku, like two years ago, was playing in the NPSL, um, and then got picked up by Eric Winalda when he was coaching from afar at the Atlanta Silverbacks, um, and then made the jump to MLS. He's, he's gone from amateur-level soccer to playing like he is now, um, and and being a better fit for New York City FC than uh, you know a guy that's won the Champions League and makes millions of dollars because of his past, um, not because of his <laughs> present, clearly. Uh, but in any case, we can't really make too much fun of New York because they beat us and they deserved it. Um, well, like Donald, it before make we fun of them. Yeah, that's true. Well, uh, uh, you know they've still got they've got the win over us and they've got McNamara over us, so I don't know. I feel like maybe we shouldn't run our mouths until we straighten one of those issues out. Um, before we move on, Donald, you were up at the game uh, at Yankee Stadium. Uh, we even saw you celebrating uh, after Savario's goal. Um, Helpfully, your, your jersey identifies you pretty easily. Um, tell us a little bit about what it was like to be at Yankee Stadium for soccer, not for baseball.
3: Well, it was my first time at the new Yankee Stadium for any sporting event I had been to. Uh, old Yankee Stadium in its last season. Um and they really set it up sort of like the old Yankee Stadium, but with obviously modern like things. Um but when you walk in, like well, let's start with getting into the stadium. Um there was no security getting into the stadium for us to like escort us in. There was no like uh anything like you know, usually they walk you in a separate entrance and they process you separately from the rest of the fans and put you in your own section. Um, That's how you guys, how other parks do it um, with opposing fans. We didn't have anybody escorting us in. They didn't tell us where to go. Uh, We just kind of walked in with the regular fans um, right behind home plate. And luckily, uh, Jason, uh, one of the ops people from DC United, found us and was like, oh, you're supposed to be way over here. Um, And so it was kind of weird that nobody was there to... Tell us what to do or where to go. All the security was in our section, as if we were going to just like run, ransack the entire stadium on our on our during the game. Um,
2: as if you were going to sandwich board somebody. Exactly.
3: Perhaps?
1: Exactly. Trash, trash bag fight.
3: Yeah. Meet me. Meet me in in Newark. Um, <laughs> but they their fans um, were. Very quiet, actually. I don't know how it appeared on TV or on the on the stream since it wasn't actually on TV. Um, but their fans were quite quiet until the 80th minute once they took the lead. They have the – we were basically, if you're looking at a baseball field, we were in the second deck behind the third base dugout. So we are basically right at midfield um, for the entire – for the soccer part. Um, the third rail is behind the one goal, which is actually the left field bleachers on the other end behind home plate they had a band and the band was pretty cool um but the band was isolated from the entire rest of the stadium and i am not sure why they put the band behind but home plate don't they
2: not typically put people behind home plate cuz that's like, like as far from soccer as you could possibly
3: be it's it's actually quite it's actually closer to the to the field than we were probably Oh, uh, okay um, because really the like where the mound is like if you go another foot beyond the mound, that's where the sideline is. And that's why they have the such a short field, cause they didn't want to have to take out the mound
0: yeah, yeah, for
3: yeah. every game. So it's not really that far away. It's just that they don't put anybody there because I'm pretty sure they treat it like Yankees game with with regards to prices. And they're not putting anybody in those uh, really high uh, expensive seats. Uh, so there were except actually the band, uh, when the band was doing something that was was similar to a DC United uh, song or chant, we would just do our chance with their band um they we couldn 't hear the third rail until the eightieth minute when uh when via scored uh to take the lead so um that 's when they they the night a famously apt um uh f d c United chant which i don't, i don't think i 've ever heard before at a stadium i'm i 'm not quite sure where they where they invented that, but it um, was pretty pretty clever on their part um <laughs> after the match, um we I mean the, the match was fine, there were no issues. There's a lot of, you know, chanting back and forth between the, the casual fans and us. No no incidents or anything like that. No sandwich boards or or trash bags uh being thrown. But after the game, um they held us in our section and then released us and we're going we go up to go towards the home plate entrance that we came from, which is by our buses. They said, no, you should go out in left field, so they directed us to left field, which is where the third rail is, right and, no, no, no. and and put us out that way now, of course, the third rail, all of them had gone because they sent them out, and then they held us, but the entire time we're just like, "Why are they sending us this way when the idea is to not put us in the same place um, and there wasn't i mean there wasn't any incidents, thankfully, but Entire time, when they're like, "Why are you sending us out the wrong entrance? Like, we clearly came in one side, and you're sending us out with the fans that you're trying to keep us away from. And if they were just out there, um, then something could have possibly, some something going to happen. So, uh, I'm not sure what their mindset was. It's clear that they, I know they aren't used to this how these procedures and how it has worked out. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think I mean for for watching, it was a nice view. Um, the stadium is a baseball stadium. It's clearly set up for baseball. And uh looks tinier than Commented to that it. it was basically my 7v7 fields here in D.C. are bigger than the field at Yankee Stadium is. It is that tiny. It's like anybody went and they would have hit the crossbar from midfield. It was that small. Um, and I don't think TV does it justice with how small it is. I I, uh, I I think that'll actually be a pretty big issue going forward, especially in the playoffs. Because they clearly, you can tell they play a lot better at home than they do on the road because they pick up practice soccer at home and on the road they're playing real soccer. So That's my synopsis of Yankee Stadium. Uh, I'd like to actually see baseball there. That would uh, probably... <laughs> Putting it all into perspective, but uh, for soccer, I guess it's okay. It's not like the best place in the world. It's not the worst place in the world, though.
2: I mean, the early season rumors were that the
3: Yankees were so pissed that they might not—they might not be back there next year. And you know what? That's partly why I went. Like I, you know, <laughs> kind of set up with work, and it kind of didn't. I just kind of got up from work and left um, because I was like, "I'm going. I'm going to Yankee Stadium." Um, but that was kind of why I went because of those rumors that I. I really do think that they're gonna reconsider being at Yankee Stadium after the season's over and it's not the team, it's gonna be the Yankees saying, Nah, we can't do this. Um so it'll be interesting to see because what they do is um if you look at the baseball schedule compared with the NYCFC schedule, it's very it's set up where I think it's like four or five days between uh a Yankees home game and an NYC home game. They have mm-hmm. apparently they need that much time to turn the field around, like, I'm sorry, a, a break between Yankees games. So the Yankees were clearly on the road for, like, a week so that NYCFC could have one game. So I think the the um, baseball schedule for next season is going to come out in mid to late September, and that's when you're going to see where these holes are. And if there's not a lot of holes, then you'll see – you may see start to get, like, a, a picture of whether or not they are expecting – the team to be back at Yankee Stadium uh, next season because if there's not a lot of road dates that are very you know long enough to do their conversion or whatever, they they don't have to convert anything. It's just putting lines on the field. Um, then we'll see if they're really going to be there.
2: Red Bull Arena ground chair. Red Bull Arena ground chair.
3: <laughs> they were. I, I heard some. They're trying. They're talking about going to Columbia. I'm like, Columbia has like their their stadium. I you think like four people there. My apartment's bigger than Columbia Stadium, so I think that they will have... <laughs>
1: <laughs> Co-s-mo's. Co-s-mo's. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just hoping for, like, they're just going to set some goals up in Central Park. <laughs> there, are, there aren't stands so much as just sort of like, if you're there Mills. and you get to watch. No, they'll play in Macy's.
3: That's what they'll do. They'll play in the biggest Macy's in the world. <laughs> they'll play in the men's department.
1: That'll, that'll be their new advantage. It'll be like, can you play on tile?
3: Yeah. <laughs> watch, watch the mannequin. The mannequin is in play.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, that'll, that'll end our segment on the unfortunate uh, happenings in New York City. Up next, we'll talk about the coming Champions League as well as the uh, first home game in a little while against San Jose Earthquake. So stick around. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast.
0: Hey, Ben, you know how you're always going on and on about legal advice on this show? Well, yeah. And you never, ever use the term correctly?
2: Well, of course not. I try not to use the term correctly.
0: Right. Our new sponsors, the Ehrlich Law Office, they do use the term correctly all the time. In fact, that is what they do.
2: Oh, so if if I actually wanted legal advice, I should probably go to them?
0: Yeah, exactly. If you're in Northern Virginia or the District of Columbia, they handle employment issues, general civil litigation, defamation, lots of stuff. Uh, they have you covered. Jason, I'm sorry, they do not have you covered because you are in Maryland where they are not operating just yet.
1: Uh, fine. So
0: Ehrlich Law Office, it's a it's really good people. Uh Josh is their their main proprietor, Josh Ehrlich. Uh, he's a law school friend of mine. He, one of their their attorneys, Ben. Uh, a lot of our listeners know him from games and, and other places. So guys, for free consultation, Go to slash filibuster.
1: I thought he started a new life in Chicago. I mean, don't put that war- evil on him. Global warming, <laughs> Chicago will soon be the sea. That's true. They're, we're all doomed in the end. My, I'll definitely be in the sea. I'll be in the sea fast. It <laughs> <laughs> not even take much time.
3: I can't swim. I need to learn how to swim.
1: <laughs> I'm on the heights
2: above a river, so I'll be in the sea less soon than the rest of you.
1: You could can, can head down to it, though, and just be, you know, get it over with. Well, yeah, I could. Yeah, that's definitely true. Do you want me to leave a pause, or should we just, uh, no, just enter, go. No, enter no, no, back just in like this? No, okay. No. Uh, and we're back. Uh, Adam briefly returned, and then we we immediately threw him back out. Uh, we had to fulfill our uh, obligations to our sponsor, who we very much like. Uh, And we're not throwing them out. We are throwing Adam out. Um, (laughs) uh, DC United is back in action on Wednesday night in Panama. They're playing Arabe Unido uh, of Panama. Um, It's the CONCACAF Champions League. It's perhaps uh, a game against perhaps the most CONCACAF club in CONCACAF, which is saying something. Um, Arabe Unido... Not as bad as Tower FC was last time. Um, they looked sort of confused and disinterested um, in the whole process of being in the Champions League. Um, maybe better than Waterhouse. Maybe not as much skill, but maybe a little more organized than Waterhouse was. Um, and in their opening game, or in the group's opening game, Arabe pretty easily beat Montego Bay United. They're all united. Uh, all three teams are united. Um, we're gonna have to get used to that in the coming years, unfortunately. Um, when there will be as many as three or possibly twenty United's in MLS. Uh, but Arave Unido, anyway, um, pretty easily beat Montego Bay three nothing. Um, scoring in the 29th minute, the 44th minute, the goal that really, the goal right before halftime really broke Montego Bay's resistance. It was a bad goal to give up. Just a A guy, uh, Renan Adles from Arabia Nito, just decided to have a blast from, like, 35 yards that the goalkeeper should have gotten his body behind, but he just misjudged it and watched it fly past him. Um, It was sort of embarrassing for everyone involved. Um, That pretty much killed the game. They scored a third in the 79th minute um, just to pad their lead, which is always important in the Champions League, but... uh. It's kind of an interesting situation because there's been a lot of change there, and not a lot of these players were there the last time uh, Arabi Unido was in the Champions League, um, especially in the attacking end. But there's still that inkling from that club to be unpleasant, shall we say. Um, not The game was in control, so they didn't really engage in a lot of the time-wasting or provocation that we've seen when they've played MLS teams in the past. But um, Bobby Boswell is probably happy he doesn't have to travel because... When Houston played Arabe Unido, it was always basically a bare knuckle brawl with uh, everyone agreeing to a certain ground rules and then immediately everyone has a knife or some other weapon that was not supposed to be part of their street fight ground rules, um, which I obviously know a ton about. Um, but in any case, we've heard already that Boswell is going to be joined by Davy Arnode and Chris Rolfe as not traveling. Sean Franklin probably out as well. Um, that was uh, that was out there today. Um, but I guess it, it's a little difficult to scout a team in the Champions League based on um, one game that they played, since it, it's not exactly easy to find Panamanian League matches uh, to scout with. Um, so I'll do like the team has probably done, and I'll just I'll just focus on DC United. Uh, and Donald, I'll start with you. Who is the one player that you think will be down there that you, needs to come through for United to get the three points?
3: Well, for me, I think it's uh, Kofi Opare, Um the reason why is you know he he has you know shown well in the opportunities that he has had so far this season and, and late last year. Um, but I think the one key that we're going to need is to have a presence in keeping the back line together, um, especially on the road um, far from home. I, I think that is going to be the the main key is to keep our defensive shape. Uh and so he has some of that international experience. Um he has some of that experience in US Open Cup as well. Uh and he's proven at times that he can score a big goal. So um I think that Kofi Opare, if he can do well uh and keep the back line together, um I think he's I think he could uh help us uh to victory.
1: Alright, uh, Ben, we talked about off the air, we talked about you possibly having to wing it. I really hope that Opare was your answer and you now don't know what to do. So, who's your player that needs to come through in this game for DC? I
2: actually had... I actually super winged it in that I had no answer and I was just waiting to <laughs> see what
1: Donald came up with.
2: Uh, but based on his answer, I'm going to go further up the spine of DC United and go with Jared Jeffrey. Uh There's a... Multitude of players who might uh, start next to Jeffrey. It could be uh, Facundo Correa. It could be um, Colin Martin. It could be uh, Michael Farfan. It could be any number of players starting next to Jared Jeffrey. But everybody is fairly certain that Jared Jeffrey is going to start uh, in central midfield in this game. And like a number of games, it's it's a time for him to impress himself and apparently open a beer as Jason is doing yeah. and
1: uh, <laughs> he we're not kidding around when we talk about what we do this is <laughs> we'd be doing this yeah it's this is a real thing
2: I mean, I really want Jared Jeffrey to take the next step, and he's been a decent player, I think he can be a good player in MLs but he needs to show it, and he needs to take over a game, and in, in this game in particular, he's not going to have somebody treading on his feet like he does uh, often in for DC United. He's not going to have Perry Kitchen in the same space as him. He's not going to have Marcus halsty in the same space as him. He's not going to have Davey Arnault in the same space as him. So this game, above most other games that he's had for DC United, will be a chance for him to show off what he can do as the deep lying midfielder because whoever they play next to him is going to be a more advanced midfielder than him, unless somehow Perry Kitchen starts, which is ridiculous. Uh and so he this is this game, more than many others, Jared Jeffrey needs to
1: show what he can do and show what he's made of. Yeah, I think it's a good point that he might get to play deeper than he normally would. When, when United plays the flat 4-4-2 or flat-ish 4-4-2, um, he has to stay a little higher. I think he would really like to be a lone, deep-lying defensive midfielder. I think that's where he's most comfortable. And if he's partnered with Michael Farfan, for example, it's possible that we could see Farfan staying up high and we could see some sort of diamond Um to to that point, um, Arabi Unido played a little bit of a diamond uh, to start against Montego Bay, and then once they got their goals, they switched to a flatter, uh, more conservative look uh, more that mirrors what United normally plays. Um, so we could see... I, I think that, that latter look is how they're going to play. So we could see a diamond, uh, or we could see Jeffrey and, say, Farfan, for example, start alongside each other, and then if United senses that they can win the game uh, by pushing a little harder, or if they just need to go for need to go for it to get the win. Um, we could see that switch made during the course of play, but it would be nice to see Jeffrey play in that spot um, because that's probably where he's most effective. Uh, my player, uh, fortunately for me, has not been mentioned yet. Um, I think Jairo Arrieta has got to come up big. Um, United is going to create a few chances. They might not create a ton because... This is not a team that travels and and scores a ton of goals. Um, Arabe Unido is not going to play wide-open soccer. Uh, But there are going to be chances. They're not a particularly talented defensive team. They don't have a lot of uh, big names. They don't have players with a ton of caps for Panama, um, for example, or or for other CONCACAF countries. Um, So the the chances are going to be there, and Arieta, I think it seems – highly likely that he'll start since he didn't play against New York. Um, And in that case, with his experience in the Champions League, he's got to come through with goals. It can't just be that he works hard and creates some chances and um, gets his good share of looks. He's got to convert. And preferably, if let's say it's a night where he gets four chances and he converts one. It would really be nice if he converted one of the early ones rather than waiting for the last one because when you go on the road in CONCACAF, scoring first is often pretty big. Um, the teams love to score one and then just close it down and just make it difficult for the rest of the game. Um, Arabe, Unido, if they get up, if it's one nothing after 20 minutes, the time-wasting is already going to start. Um, and most likely the referee is not going to know what to do about it, even though it's going to be horrendously obvious what's happening, um, because that is the CONCACAF Champions League in a nutshell, is watching a team waste time and the referee just being like, I... What, I, I'm completely confused as to how to fix this situation, um, but then also punishing the other team when they get frustrated because, of course, that's that's easy to solve. Um, so for me, it's got to be Arietta. It's got to be a. I mean, the, in every level of the team, um, you'll notice we picked all three guys from from the middle of the team. Um, you, you could have easily said Andrew Dykstra, and that would have also been a really good one. we'll, we'll just assume that Adam would have voted for Dykstra if he was on. Um, But when you go on the road in international competition, those players have to come through. Um, You can win a game um, with six players down the middle playing well and your wide players just being adequate. Um, Whereas if your wide players all play well and the spine of your team is no good, you're probably going to lose, especially in the Champions League. Um, So all three, um, almost sure to start. Uh, I think that's the main thing is we just pick guys that will be on the field. That's helpful. Um, But uh, also... Definitely three guys that that need to come through and probably should be able to come through. This is a, a level that they should be good at. Um, Opare especially, I think, will be the best defender on the field get, unless Burnbaum starts. Um, Opare, so he'll be first or second. Uh. So it should be a good game. It's not actually being played at Arabe Unidos' home field. It's being played at the um, Estadio Americana, which is not the more famous Americana. In Brazil, this is a 5,000-seat turf stadium. Uh, It's a newer stadium um, that was built not too far, I don't think, from where Arabe normally plays, but it's definitely not their home field. Um, And it is a a bouncier turf surface, so United's going to have to look out for that. That might be why Franklin isn't traveling, uh, is his recent Achilles injury. That was what Steve Goff uh, speculated, which is probably based on some pretty good intelligence given that Steve Goff, when he asks questions of people, they tend to tell him what he needs to know. Um, moving on uh, from the Champions League, which um, we'd all, I think, like to see some success in again. Uh, the group, is, uh, It's not as easy a draw as the previous uh, Champions League edition. We've seen uh, team, a team from Belize and a team from uh, a different team from Nicaragua both surprisingly get in, both having stadiums that can actually support the tournament. Wait, wait, uh, wait. The, Be- yeah. the Belize team actually has a stadium for once that is well, acceptable? Well, Belize, Belize has a national stadium now that, that met stand. Apparently they had it built for the last tournament, but coming down to the wire, it not It wasn't cleared in time. Wasn't right, and so that's how Herediano got into the tournament, ended up going deep into the tournament. Um, which is why it was kind of funny to watch after the draw. It's like, well, if the Belize team stays in Corretero's group, I think that's who's who's got them, um, then the the draw is extremely kind to them, whereas if they get replaced by the third-place team from Costa Rica, it would be Alaholense jumping into that group. Um, so the group could either go from the most difficult to the most easy instantly. Um, but this year, Belize finally, for the first time, had a, had a stadium that could host the tournament. And I, re- loves-
2: I, re- I refuse to believe Belize. Just in general,
1: uh, if I'm not mistaken, I'm gonna bring it up. I think they host um, in this set of games, which means uh, they, the and they're hosting whoever it is from Mexico. So we could see televised watch history, footage. watch history, people. watch history. Made. Yes. Um, Verdes FC uh, of of Belize uh, tomorrow night, Tuesday night. So tonight, if you're recording, or if you're listening to this when we put it up, um, we'll be hosting. OFC, the team that Ronaldo, Ronaldinho used to play for that now, but Johnny Bornstein might be there. Um, Can you believe it? <laughs> that's awful. Let's We're probably. Um, I, I apologize to our listeners and our sponsor. <laughs> uh, we'll move on now, uh, mercifully, to the weekend, where DC United is going to be hosting the San Jose Earthquakes for their only meeting in 2015. Uh the earthquakes are struggling uh to say the least in the west um, they are I think tied for eighth with Real salt lake um they're coming off of a oh, kind of a must win for them uh they hosted the lowly, hapless, pathetic Colorado rapids um I would urge everyone to follow. Uh, the guys at, at Burgundy Wave, there are uh, the Colorado Rapids version of us uh, on SB Nation. They have changed their Twitter account to Beige Wave and are doing everything as neutral and as unexcited as possible because that is the team they've been given, uh, and they are following suit. Uh, it's it's been they're having fun with it, which is good because if your team is where they are, you can either be having fun, laughing at the sadness, or you could just be sad. And they're doing the latter, so that or the former. So good for them. Um, but the Quakes did win. Uh, they did beat the Rapids in a game that is about what you would expect with these two teams playing. Um, it was ugly and desperate and not very good. Um, the Quakes, as they tend to do, scored a set-piece goal through Clarence Goodson early in the second half. Um, might have been a costly win for them, though. Uh, Jordan Stewart uh, went down with a non-contact injury. He's believed. I believe today they said that they think he's torn his Achilles, so he's out for a long time. Um, uh, Matias Perez Garcia was pulled five minutes in the second half, and it looked like it was not a punishment substitution, but rather a we tried to see if he could play through it, and he couldn't play through it sort of sub. Though it was hard to see what was wrong with him exactly. Um, and then right at the end of the match, uh, Victor Bernardez landed pretty awkwardly on his shoulder, and he he played through it because it was like 90 seconds of play, but he was not really looking very comfortable. So that's three potential starters. Uh, including two defenders uh, all out, or most likely out. Uh, I, I guess Bernard is, you'd have to say, is more 50-50. But in any case, um, they're coming across country to play DC United, who even though they haven't been very good lately, they've been pretty much able to beat anyone that shows up at RFK. At RFK. So uh, I guess the first thing I'm going to bring up, uh, Ben, you, you wanted to talk about this. Uh, Chris Wondolowski is playing in the midfield. How does this make you feel?
2: Uh, (laughs) I mean, on one hand, it makes me feel delighted and happy, because it is an entirely idiotic and stupid thing, and so if San Jose decides to continue to do that against uh, DC United, that's a good thing, and I don't know what Dom Kinnear is smoking slash drinking slash eating, but... If that's what he decides to do, that's all right with me. Chris Wondolowski as a midfielder has been tried a number of times throughout the years. It was tried in the Frank Gallup years. It's been tried more recently, and it's remained an idiotic proposition, and I don't know why people keep trying to do it, because it's dumb and stupid, and (laughs) only stupid people would do it, so (laughs) it's just bizarre to me that, that... professional soccer coaches keep thinking that this is a decent idea. So, yeah, I I hope that they try to do it and keep trying to do it, and it would make me happy, but right and reason would say that, no, you should put Chris Wondolowski
1: as a striker because that's what he does. It is It is worth noting, Wando has managed to score nine goals despite this alignment that the Quakes have been playing where he's alongside an attacking midfielder but having to just run further to get into goal-scoring positions. Um, it's been odd to watch, but uh, he's scoring goals. Uh, I guess it's not necessarily ruining his season. It just might not be the best use of him for the Quakes altogether, but that's their own problem, I guess. Um I, I will bring up one player they just signed, uh, Anibal Godoy, uh, who played for Panama in the Gold Cup and has been playing for Panama for co- for quite a while. Uh, Godoy had his paperwork cleared but wasn't in San Jose until like literally the night before their match. He did not get to train with the Earthquakes, and then they put him in and started him for 90 minutes um, because Fataya Alache had uh, yellow card accumulations, or no, he got in a red card one of either way he he was suspended so Kinnear threw uh godoy in with no training sessions into the lone defensive midfield position rather than start jj Koval or um jean baptiste pirazzi he had both of those guys available but just opted not to do that and just threw godoy in in into the deep end i guess it's not really that deep when it's the rapids um but it's still kind of crazy that that happened. He now I, I would expect that he's going to continue, especially if Garcia is injured, there might be Godoy and Alache together, um which might be in the odd situation where Wando could be playing as the number 10 instead of playing as a forward, which would be even more strange than the alignment already in place. Um but Donald let, that's a, let, oh, let's
2: play okay. him as a number 6.
1: I mean, why not? Um Might as well. So, yeah. He can he can do all of those things and then somehow get himself his fair share of goals in MLS at least. Um Donald, all of this has been talked about a dominant Kinnear team. What do you think of when you think of a dominant Kinnear MLS team? Uh
3: well, we were talking about NYCFC's field. Um he likes fields that are smaller than that. Um <laughs> he, that's one. Uh I, I think uh when he was in Houston, I, I remember fields being such where if you even like spit a piece of gum out of your mouth, it would go into the stands on the other side of the field. It was that small. Uh, So he loves his small fields, he loves his compact compact offense, and uh, for some reason he loves playing Wando at midfield. Um, I'm not quite certain why, but uh, uh, I feel like um, if you don't want him to hit the moon with his shots, you (laughs) put him closer to the goal so that the goal will actually stop. The ball from going to the moon, um, but I guess he figured out a way to. Uh, well, I, I think <laughs> from San
2: Jose, if he kicks the ball in that right direction, it may hit a goal in Belgium,
3: perhaps, or or in Brazil, or somebody. You know, yeah, oh, yeah. I can't believe he missed that shot. Still, so. <laughs> <sighs> well, uh, but yeah, I, I think you know one thing that they like. I, I watched a little bit of that game. I guess, last Friday night uh, against the Rapids. And, uh, one, you could say that Godoy was introduced baptism by fire type of deal, but I, I think, on the other hand, you probably were like, Dom Kinnear thinks this is practice and that he's just kind of, like, doing an exhibition like they do in NFL training camps um, where they just scrimmage another team because they need someone else to hit. Um, and so he was uh, like, that, cool, that- we can
2: and then it devolves into disaster like the
3: Texans and the and football team. Yes. yes. Uh, and, but but also, you could tell this was practice because they won with Clarence Goodson being their best offensive player. Um, let's get that out of the way. He's not, he's not scoring at RFK. If I have to go on the field and guard him <laughs> myself, he's not scoring at RFK. <laughs> if they're relying on Goodson to get goals, then they have come all the way across the country for nothing. Ironically... Uh, I'm actually missing the match on Saturday because I'm going to a wedding. I was looking on the schedule like, oh, I should check out Avaya. San Jose (laughs) should be playing there. And as soon as I looked at the schedule, I was like, they're playing DC, aren't they? Yeah, they're they're playing in DC. So um, I I will check out Avaya with no team in there, and (laughs) it might be a better offense than what uh, Clarence Gibson brings to the table uh, at
1: RFK. (laughs) I mean, yeah, especially with the number of injuries they're going to have. Um, one thing I looked up today, and I actually th- expected this to be completely the opposite of what I found out. Um, I expected the Quakes, they play this 4-1-4-1. 4-1. It's very conservative. They don't score a lot of goals. I figured this was a team that was going to be, with, like like DC, just struggles to score on the road. And I thought that was going to set things up well for United Uh, The Quakes in 13 road games actually have 14 goals as a visiting team. The problem for them is that they're still a minus 9 on the road. They've given up 23 goals in those 13 games. Um, It sounds, I guess it's kind of padded because they gave up 5 at L.A., but even if you take those out, that's about 1.5 goals per game that they're conceding, which in MLS usually means uh, you've got a problem. Um, So... The Quakes, we might actually see a little more... Uh, I, I, I agree that if, if Goodson is their best attacking player, that things are probably going pretty well for DC. Um, and obviously, if Perez Garcia is out, they've got some issues. They, they replaced him with Mark Pelosi, who has been sort of a big name for the U.S. youth circles for a long time. He was playing at Liverpool for years. Um, he recently became a free agent, and he's actually from the Bay Area and immediately, almost immediately signed with the Quakes, which I don't know if he knows what he's walking into, but um, he's been getting time. Unfortunately for the U.S. youth soccer watching community, the time that Pelosi has been getting has been at the expense of Tommy Thompson, uh, who I guess the hashtag free Tommy Thompson is going to live forever because he's always going to be shackled by the Earthquakes. Um, I, I guess the other the other thing with their injuries, if Victor Bernardez is out um, – their backup center back, Paolo Renato, wasn't in the squad um, to play this last game, so I don't know if he's injured or if what they're going to do about that. Um, they could have to play Koval there, which is not his normal position. Um, Jordan Stewart they can replace with Sean Francis, who's played roughly half the games of this season anyway, so they can do that. Um, they can get away with that one, but uh, they might have some issues elsewhere. Um, they might have to play Marvell Win in central defense uh if it comes down to it which means uh Cordell Cato who's more of a winger would be at right back so uh if these injuries hold all hold up they could be they could be having some issues they could be coming in with a pretty vulnerable group where united can actually add to that 23 goals conceded in 13 games as a road team and we also know anytime in MLS you are on one coast and you go to play on the other coast you should probably lose in general um accepted, uh, this season, accepted for United with uh, their trip to Vancouver, which they managed to win, um, which I'm pretty happy about because that could be a Supporter Shield clinching victory, just like uh, Chris Pontius's header against the Galaxy could end up being the most important goal we score all season. Uh, uh, That assumes that United can keep up with the Galaxy and their um, currently imperious, terrifying uh, goal-scoring pace where they just sort of brush everyone aside and score a bunch of goals and, and walk off. And I guess they go high-five and drink expensive champagne or whatever they do. Go well, buy. They have,
3: 90, they have 97 DP's. so what do you right. expect?
1: They, they go buy expensive and sunglasses. S- and somehow Seattle has more DPs. Right. Uh Yes, yeah, that's a whole other thing. Seattle added several players that should have been designated players that somehow they've managed to avoid making designated players and paying down some of their designated Storcering. players. Yeah, it's definitely some sort of financial sorcery and or someone calling and saying, look, just let us have this. We bring in 40,000 fans or whatever a game, just let it go. Hey, Don, 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 come on. on. Come on, Don. Come on. Come on, man. Come on. Whereas with the Galaxy situation, I assume that MLS calls the Galaxy and asks them if there's anything that they need help with or if there are any issues that can be sorted out for them and then thanks them for their time because that's how that relationship works. Um, I guess that that covers all of our uh, bases with these three games. Um, do you guys have anything you need to talk about with the Quakes before we uh, wrap up? Shockingly, in a short order. Goat. Goat. Okay. Registered. Double goat. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, there's nothing we can possibly do to end better than that. So, uh, for the um, absent or mostly absent but briefly back Adam, for Donald, for Ben uh, for the goats, all the goats out there, this is Jason saying Triple Goat